Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Y-Pod, where we highlight everyday Wyoming leaders. Incredibly excited today for you to get to know Nick Dodgson. Nick, thank you very much for doing this today. Absolutely. Thrilled to be on. Uh, excited to see where this goes. I am as well, Nick. And for those of you who have met Nick, you know what that phrase means. For those of you who haven't, you might get a little taste of it. Uh, the biggest challenge we're going to have in this conversation is limiting the conversation because Nick is involved in so many things. Uh, before we dive into either your business or the many, many nonprofits that you support, Nick, uh, people probably noticed you don't sound like other people from Cheyenne. Could you tell us how you ended up in Cheyenne? Um, yeah, I'm still trying to teach you guys English. Uh, anyway, uh, so I was born in the States. My dad was a British Army officer who was on loan to the Americans back in the uh, 1960s. And as a 20-something-year-old who may have been slightly above in his beliefs about his actual abilities, um, I tried to start a business in England, which was a quite obviously uh, not a success is the best way of putting it. Um, kind of went back home with my tail between my legs one weekend and uh, my father, who is uh, very English, I think is a good way of putting it. So I said, okay, what next? Along with various words, which I probably shouldn't repeat. Uh, and so I, I said, I don't have any clue. And he said, well, you've been talking about going to the country you're born in for years. If you don't do it now, you probably never will. Have you got any money? And I was like, well, no, because, well, just basically failed in everything. Um, and he said, okay, well, your mother and I will uh, buy your plane ticket. We'll help you get your uh, American passport, which I went up to London and got. And uh, he gave, us, gave me a thousand bucks and said, good luck and uh, off you go. So I came to the States and stayed with my godmother and her family, Andy and Howard Binkley, and uh, their family and very close friend now, Leslie Binkley. Um, and they basically gave me some floor space to try and work out what the heck I was gonna do with the rest of my life. Um, I decided at that point, having been in the automotive industry in one form or another since I was a kid, um, that I never wanted to work on another car or motorcycle in my life. It's done with it. I mean, great fun to ride, love to drive, love it, the noises, the people, but I'm done with it. So I used to go, I'd go to work and I was believe it, working at a, in a uh, Honda garage in uh, Baltimore on Ritchie Highway. I'd go to the library in Savona Park and I'd just read and try and work out what I was gonna do with myself. And as I thought about it, it's like, okay, what am I good at? And the answer was not an awful lot, unfortunately. Um, but I was good with my hands. So I thought, well, I don't want to do cars. I don't want to do bikes. Hmm, airplanes. Well, what do I have to do to do aircraft? Well, you have to get an A&P license, airframe and power plant license. Okay, well, how do I do that? Well, you go to school. Huh, where are the schools? And so I started reading on the schools and then I got this book out of the library which had all the airframe power plant schools around the whole country. By then, five, four, five months in, I realized that I really didn't like the East Coast. 
and I figured the West Coast was probably going to be some of the same as in a heck of a lot of people, and I really wasn't sure I wanted that as well. So I opened up this book, and I kind of aimed somewhere in the middle of the country, and I closed my eyes and did that. And it landed on a place called Cheyenne, Cheyenne Aerotech. So I wrote Cheyenne Aerotech, and they called me back, and we had several conversations. And on September the 11th, of 1992, I pointed my little $800 Mitsubishi West and prayed to make it. Uh, and that's what brought me to Cheyenne. And you were involved in that field. You, you had a, I would call it a tour of duty, um, where you were involved <laughs> there. There were, for the uh, sake of people who are listening to this, I'm going to tell you that I'm skipping some great stories in what I'm about to do. So if you get a chance to talk to Nick, there are many stories I'm skipping over that you should definitely ask him about. But as this saga, as this story played out, you went into an office, not expecting what you were walking into. And one of the people in this picture was in that office. Could you tell me who we're looking at here? Yeah, that's my... Uh... Wife Brooke, uh, she, uh, yeah, I, I just, I graduated uh, the Aerotech, was going off to uh, pastures and had about a six month waiting period. I went to this company and there was this very lovely looking young lady there. Um, and actually the story of how we got to actually um, talk to each other. It was kind of funny. She knew I was a car guy. Um, and according to her, I was dressing like a 1970s old man. Um, so the, the agreement between the two of us was I would look at her car, but she would take me shopping, which was a pretty good way of getting to go on a date with kind of a, a this weird looking guy in polyester jackets and pants. Um, she did, however, on that uh, shopping expedition, try to fit me in a pair of purple jeans, which I have to say is the closest I've ever been to looking like Barney. Um, if you know who Barney is. Anyway, uh, so Brooke, uh, we uh, put up with me now for many years. We got married in 97. She has been an absolute rock. Uh, everything for our family. The other young lady beside me there is my daughter, who I think was, I know, 17 at the time, and I'm incredibly proud of. She's at UW, very successfully um, at college, and just really fun watching her grow up. Um, the one missing out of this picture is PJ, which basically, if he was standing on the other side of Gabby there, well, his head wouldn't be in the picture because he's taller than all of us by a mile. Um, but I, I've been incredibly fortunate. I, the, the, the whole family, um, are the reason I've been unable to do some of the things I've been able to do. Brooke is just financially and just, just as a, a partner in everything. Um, I, I am a little excitable, shall we say, and sometimes getting stomped on, even though I may not like it at the time, it's probably a darn good thing. And Brooke is the one person in my life who's been able to do that and make it a good thing.
And for those of you who know Nick personally, if, if you've seen him talk about Brooke, uh, and for those of you who haven't met him yet, when he does talk about Brooke, uh, he says he's very excitable. Uh, you can tell the, the depth of the passion and the excitement and the, the value of the partnership among everything else. It's, it's really cool to see him talk about it. Switching gears slightly so we can keep giving people different insights <laughs> into <laughs> what you do, Nick. Um, the reason for including this, one, uh, you're probably obviously very proud of an ongoing accomplishment. There are three awards you've received. You've now received a fourth. The reason for, for asking you about this is, uh, I know you don't view this as ind an individual accomplishment. You view this as well as what happens in all your different businesses as more of a team aspect. Could you speak to that a little bit? How do you think about what the role you play and then the role that the team plays? Absolutely. And both in the Midas businesses and uh, Shire Motorsports, um, this is the Kawasaki Ishiban, which we've been able to be in the top 100 dealers for the four years we've been in existence. Uh, my job as a business owner um, is to put the people in the best place they can be to be successful. Um, and that, that, you hear that from all business owners, I think. Uh, one of my greatest frustrations with some of my managers over the years is they tend to hire people below them. And I've always felt that I need to do the absolute opposite. There's nothing I want to do more than make myself obsolete. It's, you know, it's a great thing because then people hopefully get a satisfaction. It's more than just a job. It's also the other the reason for involving all of my teams whenever possible in the nonprofit work, which we do as a side to the business. In fact, I one of the people who's been tremendously supportive of me over the years, Tim Joanna de Sahade Motors, and indeed Mark Zabak and Greg Jones at Jonah Bank. They encouraged me to do a ton of work on a business plan before we Brooke and I first opened Midas. And because I'd failed, it was, I, I spent more time on how I could fail again than how I could be successful because I wanted to make sure I avoided it. And one of the pieces of our marketing plan from those early days, and this is back in 2001 when I was writing this, was, okay, we're going to obviously establish ourselves and our team members as being the best they can absolutely do all the time. But choose a nonprofit to kind of take along for the ride. I believe it's now called Cause Marketing, or I don't think it had that. I don't think it was a name or even a, I'm sure lots of people are thinking about it because I stole it from somebody because I plagiarized everything I've done. I don't think I've had an original thought. I just grabbed, well, that's a good idea. Let, let's run with it and see where we go. So the one thing I found as I've grown in other people's businesses over the years is when they involve me and when they um, let me run with it a little bit, I was far happier and far better at what I did. And as a business owner, I have to constantly remind myself to try and make sure that happens. Sounds very easy. 
I'm, I'm not very good at it, quite honestly. I try really hard to be better at it, but I'm sitting here talking about it now and thinking about four people within my own business in the last week that have probably failed in that thing. So when we're off air here, I'm going to go and kick myself in the rear end. Uh, it's, if, you, if they're involved and they feel hugged, metaphorically, particularly nowadays, right? Um, they, they believe they're part of something. And when you're part of something, you create good things for your employees, for yourself, for your suppliers, for your customers. And one of the things with Midas for years, of course, big part of Midas is repairing people's cars. 99% of the time you have to take your car. It's a bit like going to the dentist, isn't it? I mean, you don't want to be there. So you've got, you've got to have as much empathy. And I'm incredibly proud of my team that they've learned that and they run with it. One of the joys of the motorsports business is 99% of the people who walk in, it's not like going to the dentist. This is a party. <laughs> they come to have fun. So I'm very fortunate in having two sides um, and hopefully bring the whole team together and learn from each other. And that's something Brooke and I do every year um, as we do at a Christmas party for all the employees. As not a little bit, I mean, they have to, I, we feed them and we give them a couple of drinks because then they have to listen to me for an hour and goodness knows that takes a while. As you guys are learning, it's only been 15 minutes. But um, it gets them all together and hopefully you just start to see those little relationships build and they see there's something more than, than just going to work and hitting a time clock. Well, I think people who have been listening can tell that you're not just saying words, you're, you're genuinely passionate about what you're talking about. And yeah, one of your passions sure being vehicles and motorcycles, being a car guy, a mechanical guy, uh, how did it lead you to having your own radio show? Um, well, some would say it's a bit like a donkey from Shrek. It's not getting to talk, that's the problem. Um, but anyway, I got, a, obviously we, we were doing some advertising on one of the local radio stations and uh, an, another, uh, quite honestly, friend and great stem mentor, Brenda, who was part of not this particular radio station, but another one said, you know, with your accent, we need to feature on the commercial. So she came up with Nick the Midas guy. And so Nick the Midas guy kind of stuck a little bit. Um, so all my commercials were tagged with this voice, which sticks out like a sore thumb around here. Um, and I've been, I, I've been doing the commercials for a while and I got a phone call from uh, Jill who used to do a morning show uh, between nine and 11 every, every weekday morning. And she said, I've been told I should talk to you about cars and we've got to, you know, we're coming to winter. Would you like to come and do an hour with me talking about cars? And I said, well, I've never done that before, but I can talk, obviously. Um, so, I went and did it. And at the end of it, she got a bunch of calls to ask me to come back. So then I ended up going like once every couple of months. And this is back around 2004-ish, I think. And then it 
2005, 2006, and then Dave Chafin, who was the pro fantastic program director, uh, sadly passed away a few years ago, but he kind of sat me down one day and said, you know, we've got this space on a Saturday morning. Do you want a two or two hour show? <laughs> what do you mean? With you? And he's like, no, on your own. It's like, really? Can I really talk about cast for two hours? That was 13 years ago, so apparently I can. Uh, and we've had an awful lot of fun. It's not very serious. Uh, most of it is, is trying to involve people. It's a call-in show. Um, different characters from within the automotive industry that I know. I've uh, made some tremendous friends. It's just fun. I look forward to two hours every Saturday morning. I wish I could say that I spend a lot of time preparing because back in the early days, it, I, I'd look up various things. Okay, I'm going to talk about, I know, something exciting like shock absorbers or, and I'd have all this paperwork. And I suddenly realized that the callers didn't give a darn what I decided to talk about because they were going to get me tangent off in another direction because they found that amusing. Um, so we did. So now I literally will walk, I will be going up in the elevator before I unlock the studio door on a Saturday morning. I haven't typically decided what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> and the callers and the guests uh, very much form, form the show and you just let it go. Just have fun with it. Uh, um, if I have certain guests on, like some very close friends, uh, they usually uh, deteriorates into how rude we can be to each other, particularly my friend Max Carre, who is French heritage. And of course, me as an Englishman, well, you can guess. <laughs> you, can, you can absolutely imagine that. And for those folks who have ever been around Nick, uh, you know that when he says to get involved in the community, a lot of people say that. But you're, for those of you who don't know Nick, you're about to get an impression of just how much he's gotten involved in the community. Among the many things you've been involved with, Nick, there are a couple of them that people are seeing. Uh, one is related to cruising, which has taken on a totally different aspect, given what we're all dealing with right now. Um, and then there's a different charity on the other side, which is Play for Horsepower. Could you talk a little bit about those two? So the Play for Horsepower was actually a piece of uh, the Cheyenne Wheels for Charity. Sharon Wheels for Charity. I've been involved in volunteer work since I was a kid. Uh, mother and father were both very encouraging. You go out and you get involved. Um, and I think it was mainly because if they got me involved in something, they figured I couldn't be causing trouble somewhere else, which is not a bad idea. Uh, also, again, I, I've mentioned a couple of names, but those same, same people as I developed the business. And then again, Brooke um, has always encouraged, you know, go be involved, go, go make a difference. And both Brooke and I are so fortunate. And we literally started with nothing. And I mean that. So some incredible friends, some magnificent family members, but not an awful lot else. So now we've had some success. Well, it's time to give back. Um, and I was involved in various things the first few years. <clears throat> Of working when I was working for other people and indeed at our own business. And then 2013 happened. And this is hard. Um, 
sometimes tragedies, awful tragedies, create hopefully some good things. Uh, in 2013, uh, one of, well, strangely, both businesses I own were heavily involved in this, but uh, there was a young lady who lost her life to a domestic violence incident. They were, uh, she was um, related to, well, she was the daughter of uh, one of the owners of Cheyenne Motorsports or Cheyenne Sports Center as it was then known. And she was the stepdaughter of one of my technicians at Midas. And it was, you know, domestic violence is one of those things that if you've been very fortunate to be in a great family life like I have, you just kind of ignore it. Not purposely, it just doesn't, you don't remember it exists. And I, I, I'm trying not to come across as pushy, because I don't want to sound like I'm just pushy, because I'm not. Anyway, the, we all sat down as a group and said, okay, you know, how can we honor this young lady's death and the family? And we really realized, again, this is kind of a repeat of what I said earlier. I'm not very good at anything else other than cars. And the guys all kind of agreed with that. And so I sat down with a good friend of mine who uh, was a DJ for many, many, many years up and down the Rocky Mountains, Steve Cooper. And Steve and I after to work one day when we had a beer together. And I kind of brought forward the idea, which we uh, digested together at Midas of, hey, let's build a car and let's get a hold of some charities and let's see where it goes. So King FM, Steve Cooper, uh, Town Square Media all said, okay, we kind of got your back. I put out on the radio show, um, hey, I need a car to build, and this is what we're thinking of doing. I got hold of Safe House and said, um, we'd like to try and give you some money, but we really don't know how it's going to work. And we built a 1966 Mustang. We also involved uh, Hab to Hab Humanity in another charity that year. Um, and the reason I'm not mentioning other charities is because that didn't work out. And I don't want to, it was just, it just didn't work. Um, but Safe House and Habitat grabbed this with both hands. And the whole idea of the Wheels for Charity cars is they are eye candy. They're cool to look at, they sound cool. I mean, everybody likes a cool different car, right? And that gets people across to look at it and then safe house and the other charities are there selling raffle tickets which is obviously going to fund that program but what it actually does is gets people to talk to them about what they do and start these difficult conversations such as about domestic violence and so it's a it's a major outreach program for them people actually get to learn what these names and badges that they may see but don't actually really understand they get to learn what they do and hopefully by the time they buy a ticket for the cool eye candy car thing they're actually the 25 dollars 50 dollars whatever they pay for those tickets is a donation because they now understand how important those agencies are um, we have done our fourth car we're into our fifth car now 
We've raised over $250,000 for Safe House, for um, the military families and mission here in Cheyenne, for Habitat for Humanity, for the YMCA. Um, I've forgotten to, and I apologize to those now, but uh, we're gonna continue to do that as long as we can. And uh, again, the fun thing, there, there are so many legs to this, which I didn't understand. The outreach I understood, or I hoped I understood, the money piece, I mean, that just goes without saying, it's important. But going back to what I was talking about, involving the team in this, I've got youngsters who are proud to be able to say, yeah, I put my hand on that. Yes, I got involved in that. And I've got my senior technicians who I need to mention, Bruce McAllister, Dan Prismus, and although he's not senior, and if he re listens to this, he's gonna be very angry for calling him senior because he's actually a youngster, but Chris Webster. They took these younger folk and showed them how to not just replace a part, but actually make something fit, take something here and make it into something that looks cool here. And that's a completely different skill from being a part replacer technician. And watching that development within the shop, quite selfishly, that's helped my shop, although I, that was not at all the intention when we started it. It sounds so that's like a of projects that you've gotten involved in that you had an initial idea and then it turned into more. Uh, and I don't know if this idea came from you or from someone else, but you talk about a catchy else. name. Where did this come from? So this is my, the idea of somebody I consider to be one of my greatest friends, incredible mentor to me, Tim Joannidis. Tim, um, has recently, and I'll, I'll say this carefully because if he listens, he'll shoot me, but he's recently retired from Halliday Motors and what he actually says is he is refired. Um, and he is going all out raising money for charities and awareness and for things he can really believe in. And he's doing it with things he's passionate about and that is cars. Um, in this case, and cigars and music. And this was a uh, car show that was entirely done by him and the Ahepa folks here in Cheyenne. I got involved because I thought it was a fabulous idea. He'd taken me to lunch and said, could we help a little bit? Um, which we tried to, and it was a, a very, very, very successful event, which will raise at least $30,000 directly to the charities involved. Um, and it's been fun this summer you know that the whole virus situation whatever you think about it it has changed our world dramatically and things like the car cigars everyone said i oh, can't do a car show in the middle of a pandemic and make it successful well that's like a red flag to a bull to tend to honor this and quite honestly to me to a great extent and with i know 40 50 60 other people we made it work and it was fabulous um, very much going back to the picture before the, the cruise nights that started as a conversation on Facebook back in April with, you know, we're all losing our minds. Um, my friend, Doug Arnold and another gentleman, Charles Darlin, were going back and forth on Facebook. And quite honestly, I kind of, uh, grabbed it and said, Hey guys, if you really want to start cruising in Cheyenne, I'll stick on the radio show and see it. Let's see what happens. So this is Friday night. So Saturday morning, I do a show on cruising the strip. 
wherever you were. And I, I suddenly got a ton of phone calls. And we all sort of ended up with, well, we're all going to go cruise the strip on Saturday night here in Cheyenne. We're going to drive up and down Central and Warren and we're going to go to local restaurants and we're going to support them because they're struggling. And what's more American, and I realize I don't really understand that piece, but I do now, than driving to a local restaurant, grabbing a hamburger and squirting mustard and ketchup down your front while trying to avoid hitting a car's upholstery. Um, so I thought that was a cool idea. And we figured, ah, oh, 30 or 40 people would show up. <laughs> that first night, there were cars everywhere. Uh, and it was incredibly emotional. It was really, really fun. And now on a Saturday night in Cheyenne, we will typically see around a thousand plus cars just cruising through downtown, going to local restaurants, I added the uh, philanthropy piece because I thought, well, I've got all these people here. Maybe we can raise some money for a charity. Uh, so we stick a charity in the corner of a state parking lot, which they've been very good at. The state's been very good about uh, kind of just ignoring the fact we're using it, I think, as much as anything. But uh, we've raised well over $30,000 from people driving around in their cars sitting on the corners. If you go down Central on a Saturday evening, there are people in picnic chairs with their kids and their grandkids and their great grandkids. I'm seriously, one year old to 90 plus, either driving their cars or watching the cars um, and sticking money in a bucket. And there's been 30 plus thousand dollars of sticking money in a bucket since April, middle of April this year. Um, I, of all the things, I've got to be careful saying I'm, I'm very proud of this community, but the way the community rallied around this and just has fun, it just makes me so proud of Cheyenne as a community. They are really special, really special. And I love the idea uh, of not only that you're, you're working for charity, but the aspect of supporting local businesses, creating a, a safe social environment, lots of of good aspects of it. I'm gonna move through a couple of pictures fairly quickly here for viewers who are watching. If you have a chance to go to Nick's office, we're recording this from his home, but if you have a chance to go to his office at Cheyenne Motorsports, look for these, they're in a place of honor. They represent the, the four vehicles. They said they're working on the fifth, but four vehicles that have been done so far through Wheels for Charity, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Some of the charities, Nick, that you've been involved with through that program are on the screen now. And, yep. and I'm going to open this up to you. you. You talked about how Safe House Services helps people in the community that we don't normally think about. Um, either you could tell us a little bit more about these charities or how do you think about the charities you get involved with? What do you look for in terms of the charities that you support? Oh, there's so many different ones. Um... I'll often, and this year it's going to be much harder because, again, with what's happened in the last nine months, uh, every charity is struggling for money. But I typically look at one that need, or look at charities that need to get their name out that typically are kind of forgotten about because they do something incredibly important, but they're not top of mind. And um, sometimes it's very easy to raise money for certain things because 
their very top of mind awareness where things like safe house services uh you, you want to be careful i i want to sound wrong here but you almost want to pretend it doesn't exist um so I, I look at that, I look at how effective the board is, because one of the things that, if Wheels for Charity is gonna be successful, they have the, the, the charities involved have to be all in. It's a lot of work. Um, and there have been charities who've said this, for the amount of money we're getting, this is not worth it. Um, which makes me sad when that happens because it means that I've done a poor job in getting through to them in the first place while they're doing it because it's not all about money. Um, $250,000 is quite a lot of money, but, <laughs> but maybe for the amount of hours they put in, if they take it purely on a dollars per hour invested, if they're not looking at the awareness piece, no, it might not be worthwhile, but then I failed in what I should have done in getting it through to them. Um, that this is an awareness building. It's incredibly important. This lady in the bottom right corner, Nicole, uh, if you've ever been around anybody from Safe House Service, these people are absolutely incredible. They are dealing with some pretty desperate situations every hour of every day, and they always have a smile on their face, and they're always positive. Uh, I'm sure they have moments behind office doors where they're not, but when they're in front of the public, they are absolutely incredible. Um, the same with uh, Habitat for Humanity. I, Kate Wright there, just always um, just trying to put forward something that's good for the community. I, the Military Affairs Committee, when we, we raised the money for them, I don't know how many people, different people showed up to sell tickets and talk about how important the military families and the mission are for the Cheyenne community, but they were heavily, heavily involved. Uh, so what do I look in a charity? It's gotta be a, a board and an organization that really wants to grow um, in awareness within the community. And that's more important than anything to me. And you mentioned the, the charity that's probably the most visible of all the ones that you've been involved with, Wills for Charity. There are a few of the vehicles we'll highlight. Um, and as a way of yeah. doing it, I, as a car guy, I think you're used to being put on the spot. As we look at each one of these, in regards to each vehicle, what I'm curious about is, as a car guy, what did you find most interesting or most challenging about each one of these? What, what was it for this one, Nick? Well, of course, this, this is easy for me to say because I'm sitting here and I come, as we talked about earlier, I, I, I'm a bit of an idea guy and I get terribly overexcited and then there's some poor so-and-so in the background who has to actually try and make it happen. So I showed up with this military Jeep in the middle of a snowstorm um, to an awful lot of disbelief from my my. Uh, my uh, incredible friends and employees at, at the shop here in Cheyenne. And I will sit and do drawings and play at home and try and get a concept. And then I go, hey guys, this is great. Look at this. And they're going, what are you doing to us? So the biggest challenge of this was the fact that we were taking a vehicle. And re one of the reasons behind this was when this was the vehicle we did for the military charities, well, partially for military charities. 
So what was better, taking an old 60s military Jeep and re-envisioning it, you know, something had done so much to, in the support of our country, um, and then re-envisage it to raise money for the people who do so much in the support of our country. It seemed like a good kind of full circle thing. Um, so we had to take this Jeep and these things, on the, as you see on the right of your screen, the original vehicle, that is about the most uncomfortable, undrivable, awful vehicle to put on a regular road because that's not what it was built for. The thing on the left was also completely impractical, but it actually drove quite well. Um, a, we rebuilt it onto a one-ton Dodge chassis with a V10, so that meant shortening and re-envisioning all kinds of things underneath to actually make it into what you see here. Uh, Bruce and Chris and Dan did an incredible job on this, and we spent so many nights to kind of scratching our head as like, yeah, but what about this? And they're going, yeah, okay, how are we going to make that happen? And they always came through and did it. Uh, so this has a V10 in it. Um, it. It was kind of a Frankenstein's monster kind of thing. So because it was a V10, it came up as Frankenten. And it's a superb video done by uh, West, uh, West Edge Collective, who's been in, always been very supportive. And they did a magnificent video of this vehicle. Take a look on YouTube. It's really cool. Chad is at his absolute best. Um, he even made me look fairly good by in front of a camera, which you can see is a challenge in itself. But the that vehicle was was so fun. The Pontiac Trans Am, well, it's a Trans Am. Uh, when you grow up as a little boy in England and always hearing about America and having a lot of American friends because of your parents, you have certain views of America, which are completely incorrect. Mine are a... Trans Am screaming through the American countryside, I, a la Smokey and the Bandits, or the kind of the, uh, the, the El Camino flying down a dirt road with the rooster tails going up behind it. Uh, so that was very much the driving force behind this. Again, it was a radio state sh uh, show listener. I put out, hey, I'm looking for a car. Ron called me. I say I've got an old Trans Am 455. Do you, do you uh, would you be interested in it? And so I got terribly overexcited, rushed over, bought it without telling the guys, brought it back on a trailer, and then they wanted to kill me. Um, we stripped this thing down to the body. I, the body and paint on these cars is always done by Halliday's, uh, Tendroanidas. They donate all the time on the bodywork and the paintwork. Napa Auto Parts donates all the paint. There's a lot of pieces to this thing. And then we envisage how it's going to look and uh, the guys build it. So Trans Am was fun. That's now sitting in Arkansas. I'm still in touch with the guy and he, he loves the car. Oh, yeah, this one they still hate me for. I'm not sure the guys are ever going to get over this one. This car is, for once, not my fault. Well, not entirely. Uh, Bryce Blanton, incredibly close friend, good friend, owns Tom the Tire Man here in town. He said, I think I found your next project. And when he said, I found a coupe, what he 
happened to avoid was that what he'd found was a chicken coop. Because that's literally what this thing was at this stage. Um, so we ended up with what you are seeing in front of you here. And almost a year and a half, two years later, again, thanks to some wonderful work by Hal Days on getting the body back to something and some incredible work from the guys at Midas. Underneath this is a Dodge Dakota frame. Um, it is completely modernized with modern brakes, uh, modern fuel injected Ford engine, overdrive transmission. It'll go down the road, uh, just cruising quite happily. And if you do have something jump out in front of you, it'll break like a modern car, but it looks really cool. Again, this is a picture from the video, uh, again done by West Edge Collective, who we learned very quickly that you've got to have great marketing to be able to make the money. And, and Chad and those guys have been incredibly supportive of it. The color um, was done specifically on this one for Safe House. Uh, purple is the color that they use, um, I believe, across the country in honor of domestic violence charities. And so we, we went with purple. Um, I spent a long time sitting outside the back of Napa Auto Parts with Rich giving me different uh, shades of purple with different metal flake in it. And I want lots of blue in it. So every corner of this car, when the sun shone on it, you've got a completely different version of that purple. And again, as I said right at the beginning of Wheels Charity, this was eye candy. This is to get you in front of people so that you can talk to them about what your charity does. It worked well. And it was fun to drive. Watching the video, it looks incredible. And what we'll do is we'll include both a, a link to those videos as well as a link to the website that folks see on the screen now. Uh, as you mentioned, you've moved on to your next vehicle. You're working yep. on that. Uh, this is one way that folks can stay in touch with your organization, or if they want to be involved, they could get in touch with you here. If yep. they wanted another way to be uh, up to date on what you're working on or to get in touch with you, Nick, what's a good way for them to do that? You know, Facebook is great. We have a Wheels for Charity Facebook page or a Facebook pages for all my uh, uh, stores. Um, come listen to the radio show. Uh, CarGab is on 9 to 11 on AM650 or uh, KGAB.com. Um, Radio station will be proud of me for that, I hope. Uh, <laughs> but they uh, listen, call in, please be involved in, uh, if you've got a charity you want um, to uh, be involved wheels for charity or for the cruise nights, please get a hold of me. Uh, Cheyenne Motorsports is where my office is. Um, if you can't find me there, find me at Midas, leave a message, I will get it. Um, if you listen to the radio show, I put my cell phone number out there every weekend. I don't know if that's something you want me to do now, but I'm happy to be contacted um, on that. Uh, so is that okay, Eric? Absolutely, it is, please. Right. Yeah, I mean, so my, if you do have something you'd like to chat about as far as these are concerned, or anything else for that matter, 307-421-3555. Uh, You've got an idea of how I can, uh, Brooke and I can develop this further. Uh, reach out, it's, it's fun. It really is fun. And that's what it's all about. I, somebody said to me today, oh, you should join this organization. And I looked at him and said, well, how much fun is it? Uh, and in my advancing years, 
even though I've got the mental age of a 12 year old. Um, I just want to have some fun now and do, and, and if we can do that, whatever we do should be somewhat successful, hopefully. I think that will resonate with anyone who's ever talked to you. You're a lot of fun. For anyone who hasn't met Nick, if you've seen him at, a, at an event or, or out at, at a public meeting, be sure to snag a few minutes with him. Uh, one of the nicer people that I've ever met who's also making a huge difference in the community. Nick, thanks so much for all the stuff you do. Um, and thanks for carving out so much time to have this conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And, and again, I, I want to reinforce so much of what I'm, that we've talked about. It. There's an awful lot of people who make this happen. I, um, there's Brooke. I'll leave, I'll leave you with what Brooke says. Uh, I'm the mascot. It's all the others who actually do the work. So I appreciate the time, Eric. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Mm -hmm.